Welcome to podcast number five, I guess. Wow. Yeah, we're in my garage, so that's why it's probably going to be a little echoey. Uh, trying yeah. to keep this social distancing stuff, uh, but anyways, ho- hopefully if I, you know, by the time we look at this or listen to this audio, it's not just horrendous. Hopefully. Yeah. Anyway. So it's not our target uh, quality. Yeah. Horrendous. Let's yeah. Horrendous. For, let's yeah. go for horrendous today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, last time we dove, we dove into IFS and. Yeah. Like, uh, so part of our intention peg was for me anyways, I said, Hey, kind of, would you interview me about IFS? Because I think that's. For me, it's such a, it's a model that's expansive and it's all about, and you, you weren't uh, happy with how we kind of got it all out there. So, uh, when, when, no, that, that's saying a bit strong. I, it, I, I think, uh, um, I, I think what we did last time was great. There, it's a really, we, we did a really relaxed way of understanding IFS as a, right. as a kind of framework. And for a lot of people, that's maybe their first time even understood what is internal family systems right. and. And, you know, I just really want to be cognizant of the fact that um, this isn't a graduate level course in psychology. It's a way for people to get talking about what's going on inside their own personal lives. And right. And, and yeah. so one of the reasons I wanted to kind of get out there with it was uh, I think this is something I'm quite expert at mm-hmm. is uh, models of therapy and why they work, why they don't work, where are they best used, what... What's the application of it? And I'm saying, after I've looked at everything, uh, IFS is the most useful to people. Yeah. And so you asked me a question, or sent me a, a question the other day, which was, uh, you know, how does mindfulness stack up against IFS? Like, what about that that contrast? Because well, mindfulness- actually, the question was, it was by uh, Richard Schwartz argued that mindfulness is a really great addition to understanding IFS. Yeah, well, sure. Let's start there. Okay. I mean, I'll, yeah. I won't get yeah. like uh, micromanagey of that, but I, I think, what, you know, when I when you said that, I, I, I know what Schwartz thinks of yeah. and I fully agree with him, which is um, mindfulness with the ability to be uh, present to this moment mm-hmm. without judgment, right? So that's that's a generally accepted kind of definition, and then when applied to mental health problems like anxiety. If you can step back from your anxiety and notice your anxiety mm-hmm. with a little bit of separation, a little bit of distance, it doesn't have quite the teeth that can work with pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where Kevin's in, who developed the modern kind mm-hmm. of therapeutic use of mindfulness, mindfulness-based stress reduction. That's that's the entire thing. Yeah, was he built it around pain, right? Mm-hmm. If a person can begin to notice their pain, step back with their pain, with a with a neutral um, kind of. Uh, position that the actual experience of the pain goes down and yeah. like it can be applied across the board and so there's no no part of this which is like to to subvert mindfulness it's, mm-hmm. a, it's pretty much seen as a core skill for successful living right mm-hmm. um but so uh headspace that little app yeah right yeah they they put out uh like little animations and whatnot to go and the one there's one where a guy is in kind of right up close and personal to the traffic of his life, like cars, and it's just too much. It's too much stuff going on. But he gets, this little animated guy gets some distance. He's sitting on a rock, and he's looking down in the traffic. He's watching the traffic. He's watching the traffic. And, and he's got room for options and spaciousness and whatnot. And I always look at that. That animation is going, yeah, that's a great visual but it still engenders a certain level of detachment mm. from my own experience. And I said, you want to get into How that. about that? Like how about into one more step, which be mindful yeah. and, and separate and really close, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, that, that's, and I think sort of that's kind of what Schwartz was arguing for in that article and it's it's uh to get actually engaged in your yeah like you don't have to like be so neutral you can actually be super engaged and work with your parts um which is what schwartz would call all the traffic down right right just different parts of ourselves so that and and would you say then that each of those uh again to uh, not to necessarily have to go back and forth between you know pit one against the other anything like that but would you say that the thoughts in our life as random as they are and these 
stress is when are, are they being are they in essence being given energy by parts or are parts giving us different each each part in our life are they giving us different ideas and are they the ones kind of throwing yeah. these ideas into our Again, brain? let me just see this, just let's embed it in a model that says we we have parts all of us have parts mm-hmm. and when i say parts i don't mean like um uh, selves that are destructive or anything like that no. there's there's just uh, disparate members of my collective. Mm. So I am Dave Phillips and I have uh, many different thoughts on many different subjects. And um, and if you want to think of those aspects of me, of my personality, how I roll as parts of me, mm. that's what IFS is the invitation of IFS. Just think of all those different aspects of what make up Dave Phillips as parts. Okay. Well, on any given subject, if it's important to me, okay, Probably I've got different parts that are kind of coming to the table with their opinion on the matter. Now, uh, for me, and I think, again, most models of psychotherapy and and not just psychotherapy, but spirituality and and religion and whatnot, would say that a good definition of healthy, a healthy person is someone who's led by their values. Hmm. Right. And so that that what you believe what you want, those things that you value really highly, those are the those are the uh, leading edge of your actions and behaviors mm-hmm. and your life. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you can think of their values though as a part of you, so you come to a table and a conference table inside. I'm using a mm-hmm. metaphor, and let's let's say um, you know the anxiety, of the COVID uh, situation has has just kind of got you a little rangy, like most of us. We're not at our best. We can feel I'm not my best self right now. And so um, let's say you wake up here on a Monday. So it's a Monday morning. You wake up and you're you're a little off. Mm-hmm. You maybe say your fuse is shorter. You can be triggered more easily. You're a little more touchy. And let's say someone that's important, you say your partner, um, says something to you that uh, triggers you. Mm-hmm. So let's say you might say, uh, I'm not I'm not sure um, whether my job is going to last to the end of the month. I might have to go on EI benefits. So maybe that your okay. partner says that to you. Okay. So, but it triggered me. Maybe it triggers a part of me that's terrified of not being able to work or uncertainty terrifies me. And so I, I get mad at my partner and I say, like, shut up. I don't need to hear this. I got too much stress going on in my life and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, in the conference room of my mind, of my life, my value would say, my partner is the most important person in the world to me. Speak respectfully to them. Treat them well. Okay? But there's another part of me, a different part of me, that says money problems are the scariest thing in the world, and you are justified in getting really angry or anxious. And so now you have a collision of these two things inside of your head around the same issue. And quite often, Peg, it can be three or four of those. Right. And so that value that you, if you, at the end of the day, would hold really important becomes subverted by the, the, the desire of another part to keep you protected and right. safe. Right. Exactly. Because it's going to sound the alarm that says, if you don't have a job, you're going to, you know, you, you won't be able to provide for your family. You're right. going to, da, 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 da. you're going to lose your house, you're going to lose your mortgage, lose your, you know, your place in your connection with your friends and all the catastrophizing that our brains do yeah. on these kinds of things. And you're saying that subverts this great value that you may have, which is be kind to your spouse. Right. Doesn't matter if you have that value in one sense, because this other part is triggered and is scared. And it just takes over, right? Mm-hmm. It just because of its energy is so big, potentially in this illustration, but like it's the energy is too big. It kind of pushes every other energy out yeah. so that you're not aware. You're just there. It's later on where this becomes a germane conversation because once the, once the moment has passed, mm. now your value comes back in and said, and, and might even your, while you have your values, the spokesperson for your values might have a bit of an edge to it. Mm. So it might be way to go, way to go. You treated the most important person in your life like shit. Mm. Right. You can get you can get all this noise going in your head. So afterwards, maybe another voice wins. My experience of clients and my own life, too, is that we have problems when our lives are not generally lined up with our values. 
values. Mm -hmm. How we live is not lined up with our values. And in my experience, the lines here, the vast, vast majority is the reason is because these energies, these parts of me that have got big waves of emotion going on, push the values out all the time. Right. So then how do you and, and just add that that energy almost always comes from a traumatic injury. So oh, that, I see. That's okay. the linkage of it. So right. you're like, until you can understand your parts in, in one sense, that they, you you may be hijacked all the time and not even know it. People, I, I love the word there too, hijacked. You know what this is like. It happens all the time yeah. to us, right? Just, just a, a common example. Someone someone is trying to uh, perform well at work. But, the, but it's just too much pressure. The, the project is just too hard on them. And so they, they lose it or they, they stop showing up. They do something just out of it. Their brain gets hijacked. They've got an intention. I need to finish this project by 7 o'clock or whatever it is. A value, intention, driving it forward. But you get derailed. You get hijacked. We get hijacked. Peg all of the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is one, one of my biggest criticisms of modern Christianity, of evangelical Christianity, is they said the solution to that problem is just more self-discipline and more obedience. Mm -hmm. And so push those disparate hard feelings away further, further, further away. Well when you when you do that, they are gonna they're gonna pop out somewhere else or they're gonna come back and you're not gonna be able to to kind of live. It's the starting point of IFS says I want to welcome all my Right. I want to let's let me as the kind of self leader of the system mm -hmm. get to know my. Person. This is the Fred Rogers neighborhood. Mentality. Absolutely, evangelicalism often says repent of that. That's a sin to be repented of. That's a that's an excise. Get rid of that that part of yourself. And and I would say that's silly. We can't get rid of parts of ourselves. They're parts of ourselves. So how do you begin to let's maybe start with this and maybe maybe we'll, maybe this is the wrong place to start. But how do you begin to identify your parts then? What is there a is there an ex we talked about last time, just taking a moment? Well, let me to, ask you this. Yeah. Like, how did you start becoming aware of your parts? Because, I mean, you're, you are, uh, you, you try to use IFS as a framework for your own life. Yeah. And so you kind of learned it through my yeah. seminars and my just talking. About it. How did you start? And who are your parts? Yeah. I mean, that might be a good place for yeah. you to start this. Yeah. I think, you know, a number of years ago, we started to work through, um, you, you, you talked about starting with your physical body. Uh, and I remember you had, you had a question. We were with a friend and, and he said to the two of us, oh, you know, where do you, you know, oh, I remember this, where, yeah. where do you hold your stress? And, and, and this person was like, oh, I hold it in my gut. And this is why and I, my stomach, when I feel my stomach, I know there's something being triggered. And, and, and I was kind of looking at both of you like, what do you, what do you mean you hold it in your body that you, you know. This was weird to you. It was weird to me. That I mean, yeah, I'm stressed. I get stressed and that kind of stuff. But I never connected it to a place in my physical body. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, I've never done enough uh, body work where I'm actually we're studying into this. Yeah, or like pay attention to right. where I feel the tension rise. Some people feel it in their temples, in the back of their neck, in their shoulders. Some people feel it in their stomach. Some people feel it as a headache. Some people have all sorts of things, right? And a lot of people don't feel it at all, right? Even though it's there, they don't. It's feel there, it. and I think. I remember left that meeting going, I don't think I carry my stress in my body. And you just kind of looked at me like, hmm. And, you know, it wasn't it. You weren't mocking me. You're just like, well, pay attention next time that you move above a six out of ten that you, you yeah, feel. Yeah, you say I'm angry or anxious or stressed. Anxious, or you're driving. You're doing something. Something comes to your head. Yeah. Someone gives you a text. Yeah. And you're just yeah. feeling yeah. agitated. Love it. Yeah. In that moment, Peg, where, where do you feel some pressure in your body? And I was like, okay. And then it was probably a few hours later I'm okay. gone, and uh, someone, I, I forget what it was, the triggering but something, thing. Something, something happened. And I began to, okay, take a, take a breath right now. You're not with anyone. You're feeling agitated. You're feeling like you got to respond, email back, whatever it was. I forget even what it was. And I started, where am I feeling this in my body? Is it a headache? No. Is it my, is it my neck? No. Then I realized it's in my jaw. Oh, really? It's in my jaw. And I was like, I was clenching my teeth and I could feel it in my jaw that it was all tense there. And I'm like, oh, and I started to touch both sides of my face. And I was like, that's all rock hard right now. Like, it's just like you're, you know, you're gritting your teeth and you're holding it in your right, face right. and fake smiling almost. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, wow. So I began to go, I wonder if that's where I hold hey, it. Let me riff on that for a second. I remember way back, like 20 years ago, I had... 
I had done a workshop or something, or been a, I think it was a workshop, and this this idea was, mm-hmm. and and like where do you where do you carry your energy, your emotional energy? And I thought my stomach, and I went back to my staff at Cares at the time. So we're with a group of therapists. You imagine I'm the main uh, yeah. supervising therapist, my team around there, and uh, I said. Uh, I was telling them, so we carry our bodies. And so clearly, you know, when I'm stressed, I, it's in my stomach. And my uh, Joy, my kind of senior therapist said, well, and your teeth. And I went, and your teeth. She oh. said, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, she looked we around all know. the room. She got support, like, because we all know, like, as you know, Dave, like, you grind your teeth when you're upset. And I said, I do not. She said, Okay, like whatever. So I went home and I said to Adele, okay. "Hey, if I'm, do I ever like grind?" She goes, "Yeah, you grind teeth all the time. Do you not know that?" Wow. And just like you, I didn't. Yeah. I hadn't like. Yeah. I suppose afterwards, if I thought about it, I went, "Oh yeah, I do hold my jaw tight a lot, yeah. just same as you." Yeah. So, I, so then from then on, I began to try to do that experiment every time. Every time I noticed some agitation, I go, "And when it's my jaw, yeah, there it is." And then I would start. Working with my body, I'd feel it in my jaw. I take a breath and try to breathe into those that part of my mouth and that to just soften relax my mouth, good. soften my yeah, jaw, yeah, yeah. and and be able to say, okay. I mean, and then you and I did an IFS uh, session together, um, and where you just did a, a visualization um, experiment where you just said, okay, sit with me, and I remember you. Uh, just said, okay, take me back into, you know, early moment where I forget how you framed it. Um, and, and we weren't necessarily looking for where, where I, you know, where did that, what is the history of this thing? Yeah. They weren't saying, let's find the history of yeah. your jaw tension or yeah. whatever. Um, but one of the, one of the early images I had of, of a kind of a part that came forward for me was during this, this session with you. Um, and, and it was, uh, it, it was, it, was a Sunday school class. And I, you know, you, you and I have known this. I was probably grade four, nine years old. I was at Central Heights uh, in, a sun, oh, in a Sunday school class. And uh, the teacher was boring. There was nine or 10, you know, nine-year-old boys sitting around a table with a guy with a Bible trying to teach us a Bible lesson, right? And I was, my ADD was off the charts and I was just just wanted to belong and connect and be loved by these group. But you were so distracted. Yeah, so distracted. He was just boring. <laughs> and he, he said, okay, I'm going to tell you the story. I think it was like, I don't know. I'm going to tell you this, some Old Testament story or something. You know? Show it in the way. Except whatever it was. I forget what it was. And I knew this story really well as a kid. I mean, I was raised on Bible stories. <laughs> so he started just reading it. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I, I, I know the story. And I jumped up on my chair. And I took over the telling of the story. And I was like, okay, then this happened, then this happened. And I was getting animated and all the yeah, kids, yeah. all these boys yeah. were just looking at me with wide eyes as, as Peg starts his yeah. early yeah. learning yeah. of how to tell yeah. a story yeah. and command a room. And they were like, wow. You're your, your best. This is it. This is it. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling like all the eyes and attention were on me because that's what I wanted. Absolutely. Little Peg just wanted to be loved and connected. And I started going on, I was, I went on from, you know, what I thought was maybe 60 seconds or whatever. And I was like this and this and this, and, and I was standing on my chair, you know, it's cause I wanted attention. Right. And the, the teacher kind of backed off for a second and then said, okay, I need you to sit down. I said, no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. There's more to the story. You're not believe what's going to happen next. And I'm about to, and he goes, I told you to sit down, young man. We got the young yeah, man. Yeah. And it was totally. And, and then I, I probably just kept ignored him and just said, okay, one more thing. And then in that moment, he, I'm standing on this chair and he stands up. And so now we're eye to eye. And, and it was, and then he said, I, when I say sit down, you sit down. And he wound up and slapped me across my face as almost as hard as an adult man could. And I fell off the chair and started to tear up. And all the boys were like, Oh my goodness. Like, and I, pulled myself together, didn't cry, and put my head down and just didn't say anything. And he said, okay, now we're gonna have order again. And he started to tell the story. And inside, there was the shame, the like embarrassment, uh, all of that. And, uh, and so that, that began to, you know, there was a deeply traumatic moment for me, obviously. But sadly, and you know, I've, I've, 
I hesitate to say this part of the story, but it, it is what it is, right? And um, I remember at the at the the, whole, the only thing that got me through that without bursting into tears was this guy is going to get it. He's going to hear. My dad's going to come in here and rip this guy a new one. How dare he hit a boy in a Sunday school class? So you were aware he oh, stepped over. Oh, this guy stepped over a line, right. like, and everyone, you know. And I was like, it's gonna, it's gonna get crazy, you know. And so I, uh, I went to my dad after, and I said, Dad, you're, you're not going to believe what happened. And he said, oh, What happened? And I said, You know, uh, the Sunday school teacher slapped me, mm-hmm. and I, and I started to cry. And my dad was like, oh, wow, oh, well, let's, let's go, you know, it takes me and I've got to go talk to this man. And I was like, oh, this is going to get amazing. You know, I'm, and, you my, know dad. my dad's going to defend me, right? And we came and we found this man and he said, uh, hey, I want to talk to you what happened. And so this guy said, oh, yeah, I'm telling you, this is disrespectful. He wasn't listening. He was disobedient. He was defiant. I told he, him to get that. I told him that. I gave him a second warning. He didn't listen. He needed to be kept in line. And so I had to do what I had to do, and I slapped him. So he was without apology? No, no apology. And he said, okay, thank you. And he said, uh, so my dad said, I think you owe your teacher an apology. To that to you? To, to me. And I, I was like, what? what? He said, you disrespected him. You. And it's not like you're a 40-year-old after no, that moment. Like, I'm not. Hey, wait a minute. I don't agree. Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah. this didn't break away I wanted. Yeah. And I, I, I just kind of. Uh, you know, you need to look him in the eye, which I don't, I mean, I hated him. Right. And, and I was like, sorry for disrespecting you inside a school class and telling the Bible story, you know, whatever. And I, you know, walked away, uh, and I just bawled and bawled and bawled and, 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 uh, and the, the, you know, I remember in the session with you, I hadn't accessed that story in years right, and years right. and years, but I remember my tears um, were not because I was slapped or anything like that. I mean, it's whatever, 1970, whatever. I don't know what year, you know, 1978 or whatever it was in the time of, you know, that you could probably chastise children that way and get away with it. Right? Classroom corporal punishment. Was yeah, it? I think the, for me, the biggest one was I thought I was safe from a, a, from a big adult bully mm-hmm. who gets to shut me down with violence. And instead, what I got was, a, kind of, in essence, a reinforcement of that. Now, does my dad even, you know, would he do that again? I'm, I've told him, talked about this, he's apologized. What? No, no, no. You remembered it wrong and like this and like this and whatever, right? But at that moment, I remember in my mind thinking, um, your your need to belong, or I, I mean, I, this is, I'm, I'm now, this is 50-year-old Peg giving this meaning to this event right. now. But I remember there was, there was a part that was created there, a part that gets into trouble. A part that is that that loves attention, but that attention-getting guy gets into trouble. Yeah, and and that part is uh, at least yeah. trouble according to another party. To, a, to an, exactly another party was going to say, "I don't like what you're doing here, man." Yeah. because th- you could lose your self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You could lose your sense. You're not being as vigilant to the slaps <clears throat> that could come. And so when you're done, whatever it is you're doing, emailing, whatnot, that's probably when the insecurity really mm-hmm. starts ramping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, what danger, yeah. what bad thing is now potentially going to happen? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, so I'm trying, so ever since then, I began to start thinking through, uh, now that's nice. It has a, it has a nice little anchor story to it. Oh, you keep your tension in your jaw. Is it connected to that? Maybe, maybe not. Is that the origin of where I keep some of my anxiety and stress? Maybe. It, it works for my mind to have that story as a, as a nice little rooted, you know, origin story. Um, I'm not sure what, what your tone of voice is there. What I'm saying is, do I know for certain that that story gave rise to the fact that my body holds trauma in its face? It, it sure seems like it. Um, mm-hmm. might, might it have another explanation? Maybe. But who cares? That's, uh, what I know is that, that that's where I hold my stress now. And okay, I, I just want to understand yeah. the, the kind of meta thing that you're going with right now is because I can feel you're couching this a certain yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're, you're wanting to say something like, um, don't, and for the people hearing this, I don't want you to get uh, lost in the certainty of historical events right, that may or right, not be certain. Is right. that kind of what yes, you're... Yes, 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 yes. Do you think people could dismiss this because it's it requires a certain 
what if, what if I don't have that kind of anger? That's right. That's right. And, and that to me would be the tragedy of it's like, well, I can't, I can't trace my anxiety back to a particular event. Yeah. And so therefore I don't know how to do IFS or whatever like that. Right. Yeah. I, and I appreciate that. I, I think the, the main, one of the main takeaways, especially here during COVID that, that I'm wanting for people along is, is less about the history of, mm-hmm. of our emotional process. Although, caveat, it's got a history. Right. Let's just leave that. But I'll, no, I won't argue that point today. There's, there's always a history mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. always interesting. Um, okay, but the point that I'm much more interested in, in terms of my emotional well-being, is how am I, how am I approaching dealing with my anxiety? Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I, I internal family systems, IFS gives me a way of relating to my parts, having an actual relationship with my experiences that I would call parts or memories or whatever it may be that, that is open, connected, listening, respectful, curious, and welcoming. Mm -hmm. And, and now I've got the opportunity to give some leadership to my parts to have my values more expressed in the situation. The alternative is trying to get rid of the bad things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's just not a robust way of working because the, the, these feelings are generated by a part of the brain that doesn't have rational thought. Mm-hmm. This is subcortical stuff. This is below thinking level. And, so it, for, the, for a large part of these feeling states, and they are states that come across the brain. When you're anxious, we can see that the anxious brain, we know what it looks like and you know how it connects to the body and whatnot. These, these fight or flight states, and, and it, it applies to fight or flight emotions more than anything else. So we're talking about uh, anxiety, fear, threat, jealousy, anger, frustration, rage, mm-hmm. this collection of defensive uh, feelings. If you try to suppress them, okay, like make them go away or try to be stronger than them or do some sort of power move on those feelings, they will likely interpret that as there's more threat here than we at first thought. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get a larger wave of the same emotion back. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be worse off. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's why it's really important to me. Like um, Susan David, I think I've mentioned this before. It's got a great TED Talk. And, if, you know, just TED Talk, Susan David, and uh, you'll get her stuff. And it's all about welcoming emotions. Oh. And, and, and we're not saying, the, I think the, the misunderstanding with this is that we're saying you have to enjoy your negative emotions, mm-hmm. your unpleasant emotions. You have to enjoy them. But instead of um, trying to get rid of them, Okay, which just doesn't work. That's the main reason. Mm-hmm. You, you can't excise part of yourself like that. Instead of just trying to get rid of my anxious feelings, okay, how about be open to them? Don't run from them so much. Say, I, I can be up close and personal to my anxious feelings. And what you're going to notice, especially if you don't kind of rush to push them away, they'll start to respond to your leadership, right? So how, how do you then... Okay, so I, you know, I talked about a part that, and, and some of these are pretty universal, but you know, um, so I have a people pleaser part that's pretty, pretty. Anyone who knows me goes, oh yeah, I see that. That's that's like they're not like what. And by this, I take it you mean I've got a part of my personality yeah. that likes to be liked. Yes, yeah, it's very much, that's, so. and that's not yeah. a that's not a pathological no, part. It's no. just a like describing Peg Peters. You'd you'd say, oh yeah, Peg. Yeah. Peg likes to be liked. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I have people pleaser part. I have people pleaser part. Three P's there. Um, I, there is another part of me that, that has a significant need not just to be liked, but to be seen as a competent kind of leader. Um, that's, you know, I, I, I like being in, in scenarios where, you know, I get to step up and, and have a kind of a leadership role. And, and when that happens, whether that's, you know, I have, do I have a natural ability to lead? Yes. I'm good at building consensus. I'm good at building connections with people and leading teams sure. and starting things and initiating. But there's also another, there's a drive in that. There's a need. There's a part that goes, 
you need to be valued as a leader. And when that when that's not being done, that that part can get triggered and don't feel like I'm, I'm you know. Yeah, like most of our parts, it's it's it doesn't really become an issue until it becomes an issue. Yeah. And so it's in the absence of valuing. Yeah. Can I be okay? Yeah. Right. But it sounds like you go. A lot of times in my life, no. Yeah. Like, can I be okay with taking a back seat and letting someone else have a voice right. in, in, in something? Right. Um, that, that gets Historically, that's been challenging. Yeah, that's been a challenge. Right. And I just go, ah, hey, I'm going to not, I'm going to be not, I'll be insignificant or something. You know, I need to be the one in the middle of this thing. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how real authentic you want to get in this. Sure. I mean, I might, I mean, I could even push it, Jack, pop me. I'm, I'm you, you know, know. so I, <clears throat> For me, if I if someone said Peg Peters is a people pleaser, I might say, "Okay, part of it. Generally, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you're missing something." Okay, okay. I okay. would say not you, but okay. whoever said that to me, I would okay. say, "I'd say it's a little more sophisticated." Mm-hmm. His his parts are very very sophisticated kind of parts, and um, I would say the one of the big triggers for all this is. Peg does not like to be pinned down. Mm-hmm. Peg doesn't like to be cornered. Peg, does, mm-hmm. Peg always wants lots of room mm-hmm. to maneuver. Okay, and if mm-hmm. if there is a a, a beginning, a, a trapping, a mm-hmm. cornering, a defining, a restricting yeah. of Peg, he can then he can have a charm, a very charming part of his personality yeah. that he can use now to get out of whatever it is. Yeah, he can use his. His intelligence yeah. and his his verbal charm. So that, I used that growing up. What's yeah, that? I used that in elementary school and high school. All the charming the, guy, the charm, all the time. Right. With teachers, with principals, everyone liked me. I could leave class almost any time I wanted. It's ridiculous when you think of. It. I mean, I had really pretty bad ADD, yeah. but I was able to work with the teachers. We actually, I mean, this is going to sound so ridiculous. In my elementary school. Uh, I convinced them to create a, 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 a lanyard system for me only, where if I if the teacher would give me this lanyard, which allowed me to freely roam the halls and and go into any class to help them if they needed it, if I was done my <laughs> it's work. It's like the perfect Meg yeah. reality. Yeah. Just, I want I want past everything yeah. and committed to nothing. Right. That's exactly. <laughs> and the teacher's like, you know what? He means no harm. He's he's a good kid. We'll give him that for whatever reason. Well, because you were a good kid and you didn't mean harm. And, and you were a big leader. Right. Hey, I'll teach you. I'll teach the grade twos reading. Let me go over here to grade five. Let me, right. do, let me just move around the right. school as an extra teacher. Right, right. And they're like, okay. And I got through school on that kind of right. a front. And so someone would say, someone might say, so what? So that, that's yeah. not a problem. No, it's not a problem. This, like, if we look at just like how Peg Peters is constructed on this earth, yes, he he's stimulated by lots of different things, and he's a breadth, not depth, and all of that. That's yeah. that's just like a personality thing. But you might say, but if you reflect on your relationship with heaven, mm-hmm. or you re- re- reflect on your relationship with your closest friends, whatnot, what seems to be the themes that that get mm-hmm. start backing up yeah. on you, yeah. and you would say. Yeah, if Heather might say, "Hey, I need to talk to you about something," yeah. uh, there's a there's a good likelihood that by the end of that, you haven't quite maybe historically, maybe twenty yeah, years yeah. ago, you haven't quite given her the attention yeah. that she needs. There, there, you would find ways you'd get anxious, yes. and maybe your job would yeah. not probably not with Heather, but maybe with an employer. Yeah. Like that, that's when those sorts of things. And so, and Peg, and love mm-hmm. your authenticity. Oh, yeah. you're, you're being very open, and I love that. All of us are like yeah. you. Everyone's got a similar thing about themselves. Mm-hmm. They've got their own personalities. They've got their own history of capital T traumas or small T traumas or whatever. And who I am today is just a collage of all of that material. And it can be very kind of complex and complicated. But if there's one thing I think IFS brings to us is, and mindfulness does in general as well, is let my starting move be one of softening and opening rather than hardening, rigidifying, and excising, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of being in fight or flight, I wanna, unless I'm actually being threatened, in other words, unless I can point to the threat in the room, right. then I'm actually, as an adult, I'm not in trouble and I can find out what's going on. So I'll use a story that, that came up a couple of years ago. I was involved in a, 
the workplace bullying situation. And um, the person at my workplace uh, had been uh, bullied by an outside person, uh, the, a vendor that come in. And uh, I, worked, I, uh, I worked with the, the manager because I give HR consultations workplace, work with the manager. And we, we agreed that we were going to go meet with this human being and basically cut ties with them, right? Because their behavior was not acceptable in our, mm-hmm. in our place of employment and workplace. And so the, the manager, you know, he looks, he goes, I, what do you mean? I don't want to go confront a bully. I mean, it's, it seemed to him, it seems like odd behavior. I said, no, 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 this is important. We stand up for our employee. And also that we make a statement about ourselves as a company that, you know, even though we're not going to publicize it, we'll make a statement to him. That's not acceptable behavior. Your bullying behavior doesn't work here. We're saying no. And I said, don't worry about it, though. I've done, I've had these conversations many times with people. I know how to work with bullies. Not afraid of bullies. He just comes, he's like, oh, I'll kind of basic, I'll teach you how to have this conversation. Oh, that's great. That's great. So we had kind of lightly said, how about next Wednesday? Yeah. Be the day that we'll go, we'll drive together and go. So uh, now I'm, it's, uh, it's that Wednesday morning. I've kind of forgotten about this now. And I'm driving up to Chilliwack to, to meet some folks. And, um, and he calls me, the manager calls me, just right around the, the highway over the Better Canal there, right? And he says, hey, uh, okay, uh, I've got an appointment set with the guy. So at two o'clock, so why don't you come by here about 1.30, we'll drive over there together. And I said, oh, you've got to give me more advanced warning than that. I know we had said, but nothing was firmed. I'm just not available, you know, to do that today. And he goes, ah, oh, you're kidding me. Oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just do it myself then. That's what he says. I went, yeah, I'm really sorry. You got a call. You got to give me more advance warning. But hang on. Now, everything I said was a complete lie. I was absolutely available. But when he called, triggered himself. Yeah, the 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 thought of confronting this bully is like, no, I need I need more time to, to get the ammo to get, get my psych myself up for this, right? Yeah. And now I'm I'm pulling off the the exit mm-hmm. right right past where we golf course there because I'm going to go down that other way, and. It's a beautiful morning. I to forget this. And so I'm now driving <clears throat> and I'm feeling really bad yeah. because I lied to a guy and I'm not really doing my job now. I was the one who set this whole thing up in the first place. But I'm, I'm just torn up inside. Like I can just feel like the, uh, my anxiety is now getting high because first of all, there's a situation I want to deal with. But now I've, now I've lied to a guy and now my values are all out of whack. Right. So, you know, I'm just not in a good place. So I'm not in a good place. And I'm, I'm driving down, and um, because I do this a lot, I mean, when I say I do this a lot, I don't lie to people a lot. I, I work inside a lot. I'm very vigilant, very, very self-aware about my feeling states. And I've been doing it for like almost 30 years. So I, I instantly recognize what's going on. Hmm. Okay, so my stomach, not my jaw, my stomach was just tied up in this. So I just, a couple softening breaths, and I just focused my attention on these sensations in my stomach. And I, I just, I knew what part of me was driving me inside. I was bullied a lot, you know, mm-hmm. in grade school. And angry men scare me like they scare most of the human race. And so this, let's call this part six years old. It's kind of a six-year-old part. It's just like a very young part of me. A memory is very young, right? Uh, and it just as soon as I thought about this part of me being uh, a, just a limited network of my brain created, you know, when I was bullied as a little boy to protect me, the anxiety is just to protect me from, from getting in to deal with the bully, which I realized, oh, six-year-olds should not be dealing with adult people. It's way past its pay grade, right? This is, this is wrong of me to let it hold the burden of the situation. So I took a deep breath and I focused on it. And I said, I said, sweetie, turn away from the, the mean man. Don't look at him, look at me. And, and I said, I'm not afraid of the man, right? He can't hurt me, mm-hmm. right? And even if he were to do something crazy, I'll, I'll call the police, but you don't have to apologize for being afraid of him. Of course you're afraid of him, mm-hmm. but just, you can trust me. We're not in any danger and I'll look after this. You don't need to worry about this. Instantly, bang, my anxiety was gone. Gone. I was calm. I was right back into my brilliant self. 
And I called my guy up and said, hey, yeah, for sure. My bad. I am available this afternoon. I'll be there at 1.30. Pick him up. We met. We did our thing. It was your typical police conversation. It was ridiculous. And then, you know, we came home. And that was that. And it became just a, a moment in my life that, that lasted, you know, a minute. Right. You know, a minute and a half at most. That's the sort of thing that can last people days, weeks, months. Right, because the, the anxiety just keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. So, how do you though um, encourage people to? What is an exercise they can do to start getting in touch with what their parts may be? You know, there's a there's a great video if you just Google Richard Schwartz, who's the the guru, of, yeah, the developer of, of IFS, um, has a, a Wisdom 2.0. He's got a, a guided meditation he does with the whole crowd. It's about six minutes long. Yeah. And it's basically how you can, who's never done any of this work, who's speaking to this big crowd of people who probably yeah. never heard of them before. He has them do a quick little meditation where they, they kind of get in touch. You with, put that in our show notes, a link to that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Our, our fandom show notes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and so he, he just kind of walks people through on how to kind of get in touch and yeah, start talking yeah. with your insides. Yeah, and, but the basic, you know, the basic drill is, you know, you, uh, you think of a part of yourself that's challenging for you. Okay. Right. So it might be like, you might say, yeah, it's the, the part of me that, that over, that's too much says yes too often. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. You know, we, we used to call that guy the double booker. He double books because he wants me, everyone to be happy. Do we still I'll say, we don't because I don't book anymore, but I used to all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Heather would say, you said yes to three people on Friday. For the same time, right? You're like, I know, but I just, I, they were all great. Okay, so that's a great example. So, you know, you might say, okay, back in the day, my, that part of me that double books, <laughs> that just doesn't want to say no because it gets me out of the conversation. Just say, sure, yeah, you bet. And um, uh, as a challenging part for you because... It gets you into trouble with people who are like, um, where are you? Or something along yeah, those lines. Sure. Right. So that's a great example of a challenging part. And so he, he leads them to, okay, I want you to think about this challenging part, the feelings that are they are, you know, that are connected. Where do you feel those feelings in your body? And so you you try to find a lot of people can. A lot of people can't at first. Um, just a note there. Um, especially for people who are badly, badly hurt as children with abuse, neglected kind of stuff. Um, oftentimes if the, if the pain of the abuse and neglect is, is too much, the brain also has got another, so fight or flight's the common mm-hmm. ones, but it's also got this, this beautiful ability to, uh, we call it their passive, uh, responses to, to trauma and can just give a bunch of opiates to the brain. Mm-hmm. So the brain just becomes basically on heroin for a while and which is very useful to survive, yeah. but it's well, still it's still happening in that life, and so that's why when people say they can't, they can't feel their bodies. It's because they've got all this morphine in their bodies, right? Yeah. And they they literally can't feel. It's a painkiller, right? So you can't feel it. So if you if you're at first not able to feel, that's fine. That's not abnormal. It can just take a little work, just like you know, mm-hmm. just stay with it a little longer. Eventually, I mean, it's not the endorphins aren't like exactly like heroin. They're similar, and and but you'll be able to work through this. You'll be able to find it once you find it. Okay, then you want to just focus on it, just soften around it, breathe into it, focus in it. And uh, I like to I like to have people at first thank this part of them for mm-hmm. trying to protect them because that that is what it's intending to do. It's right. not trying to hurt you, even though it may be hurtful and it may be like really uh, like uh, abusive in its tone and whatnot. It's, it's trying to trying to help you actually in its, its own kind of yeah. limited narrow way of understanding of things. So you thank it. I people almost. Across the board, when they are, when they can authentically show appreciation of this part of themselves, almost always that energy calms down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It's because you can imagine from the point of view of this this part, it's getting ready to be fought, mm-hmm. and rather so. Well, I first of all, I want to thank you. I, I know you just try to help me. We're quite disarming. Yeah, <laughs> a new kind of tone. Um, and then I, I think a great question that you can just ask inside to yourself. It's just like a thought question, but it would be. What are you afraid might happen if you didn't like fill me with all this anxiety or rage or whatever it might be? And what comes next is really interesting mm. because that you're going to be getting down to kind of the core burden that this part is carrying is, is that drives the anxiety forward or whatever it might be. And you know, it, it's 
it's almost always has to do with vulnerability uh-huh. is that whatever you're doing, whatever behavior, wherever things happening, we, we have historical reasons to believe that we're, we're getting very close to dying now. Mm. And, and that, that's can be big waves of energy when the brain believes that it's survival is being threatened. It, it can, it can generate a lot of distracting energy. Yeah, to get no, you, to get it's so amazing how, and particularly when you're when you're young and you don't have access to scope and reason, and notably when you're yeah, young, so right? you're, you're, all you don't have agency, and you're completely dependent upon other human beings, notably your caregivers, mm-hmm. to protect you and care for you. You can't do it yourself, mm-hmm. and so that's when uh, you know. Even though if I took a video camera uh, and looked, I could see that your life wasn't threatened. Like I said yeah. last week when I told my story, although. My parents fighting put me into a very vulnerable state where I was terrified. Okay. They didn't intend that to happen, mm-hmm. right? They didn't mean to hurt me. They loved me. Mm-hmm. They're, like, they're like any other parent. Why would I intentionally, you know, hurt my child? I mean, any parent has a bad moment. But in general, they'll, they'll feel remorse over that. My parents are not trying to hurt me. But nonetheless, if I look at it strictly, objectively from the point of view of the organism, little Dave Phillips, right? In that moment, I can see that the brain was traumatized mm-hmm. by that. It was just too much, too much fear for the moment. And that's when, like any traumas, the brain will try to draw upon what it can in the moment to protect itself from this happening again. And for me, I think the best it could do was the, it memorized the tone of voice of conflict. Mm-hmm. So for me, as I grew up, Conflict avoidance became how a part of me, like a part of me would say, if people are in conflict, that's when you potentially could die. I get that it's it's a limited, narrow point of view, but it's a little, maybe a two-year-old part, a two-year-old so, part. So can, just going back just for a second, and I don't want to harp on this, but I'm just trying to get it back down no, to I love people's lives. Right? So, you know, if, if you say, okay, pay attention in these moments when you, when you feel elevated above a five out of ten, and you're feeling some anxiety. Try to notice it in your body uh, if you can. And if not, you can work with that a little bit. But maybe that's the starting place. Number two, you'd say is, is in that breathing into that spot in your body and kind of, okay, I'm feeling it here. I'm feeling it here. Start asking yourself the question. What, to that, ask that part, which is part of you. Ask that part, what, what, what are you missing? Or, or What are you afraid might happen if you didn't? You don't keep me safe right now. You didn't make me anxious or rageful or jealous okay, okay. or or passive or shamed or you know whatever the whatever mm-hmm. the been I've heard all of them right and usually what you're going to get back from the part is something that's going to um, you'll see that it it sees whatever the condition is as making you vulnerable it thinks you're vulnerable to being hurt given its historical mm-hmm. data it doesn't know that it's 2020 it doesn't know that you're 50 years old and you go that's ridiculous. How could a part of me not know? Because it's a traumatized part. Mm. It only comes out under certain conditions mm. and it's always fight or flight. And it does, it does, it's not aware that you've got a history. Sometimes people are, but I, I've had people do this. Uh, and some, this is going to sound as, as woo-woo as you're ever going to get Dave Phillips, but it's sort of interesting. I'll inquire. I'll say, ask that part how old it thinks you are. And a lot of times people go, um, Nothing. It didn't say. I didn't get anything back. Okay. I say, why don't you tell it that you're 50? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, okay, just, I'm 50. And I've often seen people, like, jump in their chairs. Mm. The energy that comes back from it's like, what? 50? I thought we were six. Right. We're six years old right now trying to stay alive because we're, we're, Which we is like, we're accepted into the, into the group that's going to do the crossing guard you know, right. Games, you don't, you don't get that narrative from the part, but that's, that's, you can feel like the part is confused now. Mm. Right. And I went, went, I mean, not everyone's going to do this kind of sophisticated parts work, but when you do are able to, if you've got some pretty big stuff in your background, it's a nice model. When you, when you start reclaiming these parts into your, into your yeah. life, integrating is, the, you know, the word yeah. that we use. Um, I, I will coach people. I've done it myself. Have them look around your memories right this is cool. This will be fun. They're gonna they're gonna have bring quickly up to speed on your adult life. And when they start, when you yourself start realizing that you're an adult, yeah. that you're not a child, that you've got agency, yeah. right? You can imagine 
Um, I mean, I've heard this story hundreds of times, Peg, of people who, especially uh, little girls who are sexually assaulted when they're very, very young. Okay, they have no agency. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no power. They have, power. They have no nothing to draw upon yeah. to give them, even if it's if it's calling nine one one or whatever. They don't. They can't. They don't have that ability. Mm. They don't. They can't do that. Well, you now see that same woman, thirty five years old, still unable to call upon her agency, mm. right? When this state comes over her, she doesn't right. have. Yeah. She's, she can't do it. But when she, she drops like, back to a seven-year-old girl's baby. Regressed 100%. But when she can recognize, mm. I'm an adult. I, and I have value and I'm good. When you can start accessing that, accessing that it's a big shift. And I can have a boundary and I can do X, Y, and Z. Okay, Vulnerabilities so, are such a big part of it. So that's, that's, vulnerabilities. Yeah. Like it's, no, you're not vulnerable. But parts of you do think you are vulnerable. So mm-hmm. if someone really mad at me... Or if someone tries to pin you down or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. For whatever reasons, our brains look at those moments as when we are particularly vulnerable to get yeah. hurt. Right. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've so loved about the IFS model for me is it's not about getting over these things that have happened in your life, which is so often I've, I've, yeah, I've heard things framed, but here's a way to get over this. Or yes, that. exactly. You know, with the, the embedded idea that, that the, the goal of all this is the unintegrated right, life. Right, right. You can only integrate if you only have part, certain yeah, parts. And, and if, if anything, it's, it's allowed me to go back into my past, into my history and my life. And a lot of my parts are still forming. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I had parts that formed in my five, two, three, four, five years ago. Right. A part that came and was challenged and yeah, they're like, oh, okay, I'm willing to work with that one. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, could be an incident, could be, but it, it's, it's in what I love about it. It's an invitation to integrate and make whole, right. bring together. Which is and having right. conversations inside That's salvation. Head. That is, we, we've posited that that yeah. is the, whether you do it through IFS or through meditation or through psychedelics or however you come to that moment, we all agree that that's, that's a good uh, description of a, of, of, a, a whole of a healthy human being. Yeah, yeah. Is there integrated? You said last time, you quoted Socrates, know thyself. Yeah. Well, are there, are there rooms in your yeah. life that are locked? Right, right, right. <laughs> we don't go in that right. room. Yeah. Well, I get it. I understand those are scary rooms. I'm not trying to tell everyone just to, you know, open all the, the doors by themselves right now. Yeah. What I am saying is when you are able to open the door, when you mm-hmm. are able to get to know the participants of, or the, the parts of you that are in yeah. your neighborhood, you are more whole. Yeah, right. That, that is, and I think that's kind of where, you know, as we start landing this conversation a little bit, uh, I think the invitation is, you know, the two things that's really struck out from our conversation is, is one is the opportunity to have inner conversations. I, I just love the ease in which you talk about talking to your inner parts. Things like, how old do you think I am? Do you know that I'm 50? Like, that sounds kind of a weird thing. I'm on maybe on yeah, you know, people that don't sure, know. Sure, no, I get that. But, so but, sure. but if, if we believe that that um, we have these parts and, and that there's a way to integrate and work and nurture and, and love them to, you know, welcome them into our neighborhood. If you use that, I love that metaphor and we'll keep using it, I guess. But I think that's, that's brilliant. Just that as a statement that you have parts and that you can talk with them and that they want to listen and engage with you. Yeah. Uh, and they will, they will, they will listen to you and engage with you. If you come with a sense of openness core and acceptance, yeah, acceptance. And, just, and just like, you know, I, I say that and we'll do a podcast on this another time, but uh, you know, I, Heather and I have, have had the privilege of raising four really strong young women yeah. and, uh, and I, I, I love our kids and they're all unique in that. But one of the things is that we have found is that if you treat them as, with agency and with as an adults, and I'm talking about our children, but I'm going to make the metaphor back into the inside. If you give them space and you get them, you allow them to have opinions and agency and push back and, and you as a parent can hold that can hold that, that and you're not going to freak out they're going to come home and tell you all sorts of the craziest stuff in the world that you were going to you want to go to a nine out of ten i can't believe they're telling me this x y and z but if you can hold and be that core good strong parent they will they want they want your input they, 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 they'll invite it when you create that opportunity to have that conversation. I think our part's the exact same. Way. Yeah, and I just want to, I mean, I, as you're saying that, I was imagining 
imagining a contrary kind of comeback to that. So someone might say, so you're supposed to accept everything your children do. That, that's what people are going to mm-hmm. say. That yeah. No, I'm saying hold space for the emotions. Yes. Be open and accepting of all the emotions that are on the table. Then you are in a much better place to have a healthy conversation about boundaries, mm-hmm. about parental leadership or their leadership or yeah. whatever. Whatever the, that's like Parents yeah. have the privilege of doing uh, that with uh, the children yeah. themselves. But most often, we can't hold space no. for those feelings that are going to be triggered in those sort of conversations. And so we make it very, very clear, do not do those things. Right. And so our kids are doing them underground. Mm-hmm. They're doing them away from our knowledge because you've made it very clear that if they were ever to bring that knowledge into your space, you couldn't hold space no. for those feelings. So you will either overpower them, try to control them, or you will disengage yeah. and go the other way. Yeah. Both are not good yeah. for children. Yeah. And so it's it's a much more robust. And you and Heather, framework, you and Heather are the poster children for this. You guys, the you should, and I've told you before, you guys should write a parenting book. You've got more to say than anybody I know, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying this this whole idea is is lived out in what you're saying, which is we are just giving space to our own children in respect. How about inside of us? Yes. Right? How about that's the point, right? Yeah. In the same way that I try to exactly. respect my different highly charged daughter yeah. some time yeah. to time. Yeah. Can I can I hold space inside? Can mm-hmm. I be close to a part of me that is not managing well? Yeah. That that is scared to death. And those parts, this is this is the other the thing that I've really found is that those parts don't care if you've been with a therapist and have, they what they are looking for is a tone of voice. Oh yeah. So they're like, are we safe or not safe to to be honest with with you you and you you want to come talk with me? Are you going to be okay with what we, our vulnerabilities, our fears, our anxieties, are that? Can you hold space? And go. I'm not bothered by that. I'm okay. It's good. Hey, come. Just I love the way you talk to your six year old self or that whatever self. Yeah, that's totally you there. Yeah, yeah it's like, I do. I I use those tones inside. That's yeah. That's a Dave thing. Not, yeah. I would say the lion's share people probably don't have affectations. Yeah. They use it inside. But remember, I'll, I'll say this again. I said it last week. One of a great exercise mm. is in the morning, you're now waking up. Yeah. You're becoming self-aware. You're like, oh, right, I'm waking up now. It's a new day. This is now, I'm coming out of that state. I'm now going to be into a new state. Before, like as you purpose now, I'm going to kind of get up and wake up. Before you do anything else, before you talk to anyone else, before anything else, take a nice deep breath, focus your attention inside yourself, and just say these words. Good morning. I love you. Mm-hmm. And you start doing that as a practice. I'll tell you, you are now, as we've said more than once, Meg, you are now in the flow of the universe, man. Mm-hmm. You are in the you're in the way of yeah. the universe. You're in the, the current this is the of the universe. Of love. There's yeah. no part, mm-hmm. there's no entity on this earth that mm-hmm. responds, is going to respond poorly to love. Yeah. Consistently applied over time. Yeah. It's these parts of the most resilient. If you start every morning, just as you wake up and just turn your focus inside and go, good morning. Yeah. I love you. And that you have any morning that over time will begin to build a reservoir mm-hmm. of resilience and openness and love. And you can start now having your values lead your life, yeah. which is again, yeah. started there an hour ago. That's everybody. agrees. That's the point. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, as, and, and, and uh, I, I just, I love that as a, a real practical kind of outworking of, of this is that, okay, can we begin to start our days with, with this kind of, this is the tone in my inner life. This is how I'm going to approach these parts that are just trying to keep me safe. They're just trying to allow me to belong and feel connected right. and to feel loved. And I, and I get that. And again, what, what, what you and I are trying to advocate for is a, a model that we have found very robust, both scientifically, uh, incredible result oriented. It, it, it actually stuff works, but it actually works in your own inner life too. Like it actually, it can help you. And I'm not saying that oh, it works. It, this, you're, you're still going to encounter life. Still, you're still going to get triggered. You're still going to be traumas and stuff happen. That's this framework, a model yes. of, Okay, what do I do when I'm in trouble? This gives you that, that right. actual steps 
to yeah. take that make a difference. Yeah. I, and since I've been, you know, learning to work more like this, it, it is, it's, it's becoming easy now. It's the, there, there's a tone of voice in my inside that I just don't, I just don't struggle with these, that, that inner language of, you, you know, you, some people have really a harsh inner critic and we can get into the inner critic. If we want to, sure. I'm, but, I'll, I'll talk about know, shame and inner critic. Anyway. Yeah. But that just, that is gone from my language now. Isn't that my beautiful? Head. It's so beautiful. Right? The tone inside is, right. is great. Life is hard enough yeah. on its own merits rather than having all the stuff, all the noise that we yeah. have to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I hope this has been a helpful conversation yeah, at getting people started at and maybe what their parts might be, how to begin to start navigating and, and, and working with your own parts. And again, uh, you said before too, some of this stuff, you're going to need a professional if there's some big yeah, deep trauma. a little more resilient, sure. Yeah, so then, you know, there's opportunities there for people to find someone who knows how to do IFS. And because this is largely targeted at the Fraser Valley, yeah. you know, call, email me. Yeah. And I will refer you to an yeah. IFS yeah. therapist for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, I've loved this conversation. Yeah, great. Thanks, and uh, it's been really good. So we'll, uh, I hope you folks uh, in, enjoyed this and uh, there, we'll try to give a couple more, uh, we'll increase our, the details of our show notes maybe as we go along, but yeah. hopefully there's something here for you and, uh, have so a, have a consider day. yourself unveiled. Ooh, is that clever? Yeah, that's kind of our, we're going to convert that. Unveiling sure. IFS. Hey, yeah, exactly. You unveiled it. Yeah. Right. We're trying, to, we're trying to take the, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's what we do. Unveiling IFS. Thanks, man.